You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We're back again! We're back again! Before we started this season, the AFC West said we were rebuilding. I'll be honest with you, I don't know what rebuilding means. In our rebuilding year, we're world champs! We're world champs! Super Bowl champs, fellas. Super Bowl champs. I see you. I love that. I love that in you, BK. Super Bowl champs. You know, as I sit here and I'm I'm reminded of a uh, great, uh, great film. Um, it's got to be up there. It's one of the best in cinema history. Uh, the 1994 film. D2 You're gonna break Mighty- my heart with whatever this is. <laughs> D2 Mighty Ducks. Uh, <laughs> as they had completed beating Iceland. Um, and they were sitting around at that bonfire and Lester <laughs> Averman sat down and found his inner, his inner queen and Freddie Mercury and belted out. <laughs> we are the champions. We are the champions. No time for loot. <laughs> <laughs> And slam champagne. Has that been open we since Sunday? Are the champion. Is that champagne or wine? I can't tell. That's champagne, baby. And it looks pretty empty. So either you slam that whole bottle or that thing's been sitting around since Sunday when you cracked it. I've been drinking it, baby. I'm having a great time, baby. The champs, baby. Cheers. Shout out. Cheers. Shout out, baby. Let's go. I got Shout my out. Russell's 10 for tonight. Oh, yeah, what, a, yeah. what a night. Another highlight. That's the third, oh, that's the third one, baby. Oh. oh, it feels good. It feels damn good, baby. As, I haven't uh, had as, a black and mild in so long. Oh, there you go. That's what that is. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a grape swishy sweet. But listen, you know, I don't, I've never been one as I sit here with this, this bottle of W. Donaldson. Uh, it's out of Sonona, California. Shout out. <laughs> Oh, um, is that where you? That's where you went week one. Perfect. No, this Napa is, Valley. My cousin Daphne <laughs> brought this over. Shout out. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't like to toot my own horn, folks. <clears throat> but I want to say this right now: any of you all who's ridden and rode with uh, myself uh, and us even before showing BK on the Chiefs on Arrowhead Pride, the absolute best Chiefs podcast out there. Uh, no debates. Um, Show curse is dead. There are many of you out there <clears throat> who have I'm gonna take my glasses off that none of you can see on the podcast. But I'm getting serious here. How many of you have come out and talked about, oh God, oh this show curse is terrible. Uh, show predicted, oh boy, the Royals, they'll be all right as long as they don't have a major injury and then Salvador Perez fell out of flight <laughs> stairs and hurt himself. That actually you, happened. 
And you blame that on me. (laughs) You blame that on me. The Chiefs lined up and played the Los Angeles Chargers on a Thursday night football game when they were retiring the number and the the name and putting Tony Gonzalez in the ring of honor. And I said, I'm showing up and I'm going out there. The Chiefs will win. I guaranteed it. They lost in the craziest way in the craziest (laughs) fashion to Phillip Rivers and the damn Chargers. Some people here in Tennessee, or here in Houston, since I've moved here, every coach and every general manager has been fired of all the professional teams. <laughs> the Rockets, Texas. <laughs> the Rockets, Texans, and the Astros. There was a cheating scandal that I rolled into. Deshaun Watson got real nasty as soon as I rolled in. Mind you, remember who my favorite player in the NFL was, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> He's somebody I wanted, and look what the hell happened to him. The Houston Texans have been picking in the top three for the last damn near every year I've been here. They've won 10 games total. <laughs> the Houston Rockets are well on their way to receiving the third time in a row, having the worst record in the NBA. That's all upon my arrival. There was one time where I said there's no way that the Houston Texans are going to allow Derrick Henry to rush three straight games for over 200 yards, and there's no way they're going to allow him to get to 230 to get to 2,000. He got there before the fourth quarter. (laughs) Many of you have put out other things. I can hear Josh Vernier right now coming up with more things to say there's some kind of show curse. Well, I'm here to tell you, boys, what did I do before this playoff started? Major nerves. I told you what was going to happen. I said before Jacksonville, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win their third title. They're going to win their second title in five years, and I will be damned if they didn't. Daddy was right. I was right the whole way. And so I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I do want to say the show curse is dead. None of you, none of you sons of guns better not ever tweet me or any of that. Oh, the show curse is real. Oh, the show curse. It's not. It is over. I was right. And in the great words, before I turn it over to you, BK, of the great philosopher, Ace Ventura, (laughs) damn, I'm tired of being right. (laughs) Uh, First of all, well done, well earned, well deserved, my friend. I've been waiting for this moment. You put yourself out there going into the divisional round. Myself and Serta did not know you were doing it. You just completely went out on a whim and suddenly you were guaranteeing the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Um, I didn't see that coming. And then I picked against them in the conference championship game. And that also went poorly. I I would like it to be known. I also picked them in the Super Bowl. And I was so so staunchly in support of the Chiefs winning that game that as they were down double digits at halftime, I bet on them on the money line. There you and go. And Ron, I think that two negatives created a positive here. And the reason why is because I have earned myself the nickname the BKO here in St. Louis. And the reason why oh is because I was correct on 33% of my bets this year. 33%. Do you know how hard that is? 
A typical sports better wins about 40% of the time. A good one wins about 50 to 55% of the time. I was at 30% this year. That's not good. We did, we did 14 punishments for weekly bets on our show. I served 11 of them. Good God, I'm nice. <laughs> I, Ron, went to Denver last year for Christmas. On my way back, Southwest Airlines. No, not my flight. Southwest Airlines shut down all operations nationwide for a day for a day now we know that has since happened again um and i was not a part of that one but uh i earned myself the nickname bko so when i picked the chiefs everybody in our listening audience also said all right time to go bet on the eagles we did it we did it buddy look at us look at us who would have thought I just feel like BK is trying to ride your coattails right now. Uh, ride him. Ride him. Ride him. It's okay. My show curse has been documented for a clean seven years. For all seven. I, I'll be honest with you. There are moments in life I believed it myself. As you should have. As you what should have. What is going on around here? Honestly, the, the fact that Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs team was able to overcome you picking oh. them to win the Super Bowl is before like it started. Maybe the most impressive part. Just tell me. I saw the look in both your eyes when I when I did it. Oh. You all didn't know I was doing it. Panic. That is, panic. That Sheer not, panic. Not something we discussed before the show, was it? Just just felt it in my heart to just let it out. I wanted it to be known. And listen, guys, while we're on show being right. <laughs> Cause I was I'm telling you, man, I was I was on a show being right heater. Uh, I told you exactly what this game was going to be about. And much like I'm sure you guys went on multiple different platforms to talk about this game. And the thing that I kept coming back to, and it's what we opened up the show with last week was, this game to me is about, would you rather have the best overall roster, which... Like, if we, before the game, went through it and just gave edges to, hey, offensive line, defensive line, secondary, receiving core, I think, honestly, before the game, even all of us would have had more check boxes to the Eagles. But I said, would you, would you rather have the overall better roster or would you rather have the clear advantage at coaching quarterback? And I think we all agreed. I know I said I'd rather have coaching quarterback because for the majority of the time I've watched this game, that's what this has been about. Nine times out of ten, whoever's got the best coach or quarterback usually wins. Or some kind of either historic thing is there to to kill it or some kind of clear, clear advantage that cannot be overcome, you know, like Mike Rimmers. Uh, could stop it, or you need the Ravens, or the Ravens defense, or the Seattle defense. Like, that is generally the only time where another piece of greatness matches it. I didn't see that in this game, and boy, was I right. Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, Matt Nagy, some of you call him Charles because he did start game seven of the 1997 World Series for the the, uh, the the Cleveland, whatever they're called now. But also, big game defensive coordinator who stopped Tom Brady twice from Super Bowl, Steve Spagnola, 
that whole crew, they coached. I mean, it was such a mismatch. I mean, the second half adjustments for for both sides, I mean, it wasn't even close. I'm not kidding. I started feeling sorry for John Gannon. I really did. I said, somebody get his ass out of here. Throw in the damn towel. Throw it in. And it was clear. And I think the Chiefs had the better quarterback, and we can get out there and, and talk about that later. But this thing, the coaching advantage that many people just poo-pooed because they thought that the Eagles' roster were so strong was clearly, clearly the difference in this game. Yeah, I, I think what we learned, Ron, is that the advantages that people thought the Eagles had in terms of the roster were overstated. Now, that's not to suggest that they didn't have clear advantages in certain spots. I think that their offensive line is better than what the Chiefs have on the offensive line. I think their defensive line is a little better than what the Chiefs have on the defensive line. But the Chiefs are better at quarterback. Chiefs are better at running back. Uh, The the Eagles are significantly better at wide receiver. There's no doubt about that. Chiefs are better at tight end. Uh, Chiefs are better if you want to go like D-tackle and D-ends. Chiefs are better at D-tackle than the Eagles were in that game. Chiefs are better at linebacker than the Eagles were in that game. As much as people talked about the secondary and how great the pass defense was for the Eagles, man, if you're leaving that game, I think it might be a push if you're going just D-backs. Who's better in the defensive backfield between the Chiefs and the Eagles? It's close. And so when you look back on it and we we were, we like reassess, okay, where are those two teams? I think that the Eagles' defense, it was pretty good. And that makes what the Chiefs did even more impressive but I think people overstated what the roster differences were. And if the rosters were anywhere near close, man, that quarterback and coaching advantage was going to shine through the way that it did on Sunday. And that's exactly what we saw. Serta, were you surprised? Were you like, I, I know you've been someone who looked at those advantages of the Eagles had. Were you surprised that the Chiefs were a lot closer in some of those spaces? No, and I talked about it a lot on Arrowhead Pride and the SB Nation NFL show last week leading up to the game. Like The advantages that they had were, I I think, even before the Super Bowl. Like, you know, once we're into the late postseason conference championships and stuff, like, everybody's talking about that Eagles roster. Like, man, that roster is loaded. Man, they got talent everywhere. And they do have a lot of talent. But I just think that it comes back to the fact that there was a lot of people out here who weren't super locked into what the Chiefs' young players were doing this season and and how deep their defensive line was and how I think Spags just coached the best season of his defensive coordinator life. And I, I didn't think that the advantages were so drastic because even after you do all the math and, and try to figure out where the advantages are it, uh, in these two teams – it always comes back to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And that was the difference maker in picking me over the Bengals in the AFC championship game because I fought all week long. Like I and I kept telling myself, I'm picking Cincinnati. I'm picking Cincinnati until the Chiefs beat them. I cannot pick the Chiefs against Cincinnati. And at the end of the day, I decided to pick the Chiefs because I was like, man, Patrick Mahomes, like I have faith in that dude. I have faith in Andy Reid. I have faith in Spags and this coaching staff. And then in the Super Bowl. I, I talked all week long about how they were going to have to be the difference. Mahomes was going to have to be the difference. The coaching staff was going to have to be the difference. I didn't know they were going to go out there and pitch a perfect game in the second half of that football game. But, man, they were they were absolutely incredible. Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, uh, 
Matt Nagy and, and Spags and that defensive coaching staff. Like they were just absolutely unreal. And for as special as Patrick Mahomes is, and he had plenty of uh, special moments in this game. If it wasn't for the game planning and all the film analysis and all, and all the little things that they were, they were testing in the first half to see what they could pull off in the second half. Like you don't win that football game without being that far and ahead of the opposing coaching staff. I, you know, I, I'm still, and the coaching staff matters to all of those positions and how they're able to use them and what they can get out of them. I, I think another part of this game, and it was something I thought in my head, I don't know if I really expressed it verbally, but it, it, and it came to pass to me in that game. Like a lot of it, and I'm still skeptical on, on how high to rate some of those position groups that we gave advantages to, uh, because if this makes sense, I was thinking the Eagles are like Gonzaga. Like Gonzaga, it takes them. If you ever if you watch the tournament like I do, it, it it takes Gonzaga when they get into the tournament like a half. When they have to play out of the first round game, when they don't play some sorry team, but when they play a team that is in a Power Five conference or something, it seems to take them a half to get used to. Oh Lord, we're not playing San Francisco, we're not playing St. Mary's, we're not playing you know, Loyola Marymount, like, oh, my God, these guys have athletes that can do things. We couldn't get away with some of the things that we could get away with when we're playing Pepperdine. And I think it took a minute for them to get used to, oh, Lord, like, we can't play him like like that's Daniel Jones. And it came right off the bat. They had – they – in, in, in BK, you know, I don't love to get into it like you do. But they are a team that runs a five-man front, mostly. That is what they like to play out of. Jonathan Gannon completely took that off the table because of who he was dealing with, because that's not Jared Goff back there, because that's not Kirk Cousins, that's not Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz back there. He only had a five-man front two times in the game. And that is what they predominantly ran all year long. And that happened right because of who they were playing. And you can't you can't rush the passer or you can't like maybe James Bradbury and 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 Slay could get away with certain things, but they couldn't get away with those things because of who they were playing. And I think it took them a while to get used to. Oh God, that's a completely different quarterback that we've not seen anything like. That's a completely different tight end. Like we've never seen anything like. That's a completely different offensive staff that's running things. That's not Kellen Moore. And they hadn't seen anything like that since last year. Anything and, like it. And when they did, Ron, it went poorly for them. Like yeah, anything they, close they, they to had it not is. seen anything approaching what the Chiefs are offensively, but they did face some good offenses, not at that level, but good, good offenses. And when they did, we talked about this last week, they got torched. They gave up 30 plus every single time. And that was the case last year as well. And you mentioned last week, you went back and rewatched the Chiefs game against them last year. The thing about Jonathan Gannon, their defense coordinator, he does what he does. And he's going to like, he's going to live or die with it. There's not going to be a whole lot of adjustments. He's not going to specifically game plan to what you do. This is no Lou Anarumo. He is not the Bengals defense coordinator that's going to say, no. I, I see what you're trying to do here. I'm taking that away 
And if you beat me with something else, so be it. Good on you. I will tip my cap at the end of the day. And that's what the Chiefs were able to do finally in their their most recent game, the AFC Championship game against the Bengals. But the Eagles are a team that is about players, not plays. They're going to go out there and they're going to say, all right, we're going to beat you because A.J. Brown is awesome. We're going to beat you because you have no answers for Jalen Hurts either in the running game or in the passing game. We're going to beat you because Devontae Smith's one of the best route runners in the NFL. And then on the other side of the ball, we're going to beat you because our pass rush is just so dominant, there's going to be nothing that you can do to counteract it. They had zero sacks. Zero sacks in this game. And if you had just simply given me that statistic going in, I would have said, Chiefs win. Like, I don't need to hear anything else. I don't need to know anything else about the game because if they can't get pressure with their front, they had no other answers defensively because their defense coordinator doesn't give them any other answers. And we we talked about last week how that secondary got bailed out a lot this season because of the pass rush, because they had so many explosive guys who could get to the quarterback. And I think Slay and Bradbury are fine corners, but they've got question marks at at safety outside of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And as we saw, like, yeah, Jonathan Gannon just doesn't adjust. And quietly, you know, Jonathan Gannon going and getting a head coaching job might be better for the Eagles personnel department if they bring in another defensive coordinator who's willing to make adjustments and who can identify his personnel mismatches because – they do have star players in that secondary. Like those guys should be able to accommodate adjustments and, and try to go with with how things are shaping up in the game and how the Chiefs are trying to challenge them. But he doesn't do that. He relied heavily this season on that defensive line, creating havoc week in and week out. And when you can't do that, when the offensive line plays the way that they that they did, then you get exposed. And they got exposed in the Super Bowl. How do you feel about this team? Because this is the second championship. This is uh, this is Mahomes' second championship. Very different from the first team. I feel like this is a much more complete team than the last championship team, or really any of these teams that have you know been in the AFC Championship game. Um, th- this one is it's it's tough to to see liking a team especially with them finishing the job better than they did better than this group this is my favorite i I said it midway through the season this is my favorite chiefs team of my lifetime and it's going to be really hard for anybody to knock this one off and the reason why ron is because first of all we we just don't know how many of these we're going to have with andy in in charge and for him to be able to get another is special and the other one and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more we'll expand on this thought later on in the show but I didn't think this team was going to have this in them. Like, I know everybody's knocking national analysts for it, but I I felt the same way. Like Not having Tyreek Hill changed the way that I fundamentally thought about the Kansas City Chiefs. Like You were this special, high-flying, 07 Pats, like the, the Vikings when they had Randy Moss. Like, that was you. That was your identity is the big plays. And you completely altered the way that you saw yourself as a team. You bring in Juju. You'd go with more three tight end personnel. You're going to have Patrick Mahomes working more in the quick game. You're going to rely more on the defense. You're going with this youth movement, and you just hit on a generational draft class as well. And the guys that were on this team, man, they were super likable. Like Even a guy like Frank Clark. He's at a different place in his career at this point. 
he became a likable character on this team. Chris Jones, let's not, like, let's not get aggressive, but I, I, I think that it's he, he was a part of the story of the 2022. Oh, he teams. certainly it's like was a, a redemption type of a story this time around. Um, Chris Jones, who we've seen all of the great moments from him in the Chiefs uniform, and I, I thought that he got a little bit of like a he was an underrated player in that Super Bowl in 2019 because of what he did, but he didn't get the sacks. But he just had a dominant postseason performance this year as well, which puts him in like a new trajectory. Travis Kelsey just had one of the most dominant seasons that we've ever seen by a tight end. Like there was just, there was so much about this team that I fell in love with from start to finish. And for them to be able to finish the job, for them to be able to do it against the Bengals finally to get that job done, the Burrowhead stuff, like they just. They, they made me, as a Chiefs fan, remember what it feels like to really be emotionally attached to the Kansas City Chiefs again, even as somebody that does this for a living. So uh, that was awesome, man. That was That's going to go down as my favorite Chiefs season ever, and it's going to be really hard to top. It's I think I'm in the same boat as BK on this, and I, I think it's pretty safe to say, like, you know, you could easily make the case over the last couple of years. Andy was on autopilot a little bit. And, you know, obviously he's still a Hall of Fame coach. He was still, you know, doing what he does. But there was a little bit too much leaning on Patrick Mahomes to just go out there and, and be great. And them having to trade away Tyreek Hill this offseason and, and kind of reformulate how they do things and take a different approach to it. I think made Andy realize that and made Andy realize like, well, I can marry the things that make Patrick Mahomes special and made us a special offense over the last couple of years. And the things that made me a special offensive play caller that I had with Alex Smith and Kevin Cobb and Donovan McNabb and Michael Vick and all of those things. And I feel like this was the first complete season where we really saw all of it come together, where we really saw, Andy out there being the Hall of Fame head coach play caller where we saw Patrick Mahomes. Oh, you want me to be Brady? I can be Brady. I can lead a 15 play drive and I can still take the top off the defense and score in four plays. If you need me to do that, I can go out there and create magic and be special. And then just top to bottom, the coaching staff. And, you know, we, we criticize, uh, you know, the special teams. I know we'll get more into that later, uh, but they were incredible in the playoffs. Spags was incredible in the playoffs. The, these rookies is the biggest thing for me. That was the most fun this season. Like seeing what they did with this rookie class is like one of my favorite things to watch in football is, is when you get to see these young players come in and you see them develop and you see how they, they grow over a season and the way that they're able to make plays and for them to do it with as many guys as they did it with. And all of those guys give you contributing snaps in the Super Bowl, Leo Chanel coming out of nowhere and just being like key to their Super Bowl game plan. Like, it's just incredible. Like, that's the kind of stuff that you make sports movies about. Pete Sweeney wrote a book about this Chiefs team. Like, did he really? Yes. What's it called? It's called A Dynasty Begins. You can uh, pre-order it right now. Just head over to Pete Sweeney at PG Sweeney. Just head over his Twitter page. You can pre-order it. Right published now. author. Our guy Sweeney is a yeah. published author. Ron. Yeah, like it, I agree, man. It, it was just what in the hell. This was the most fun season to watch because this was the season where I had the most question marks, and they answered every single one, and, and they did it in a way that like I wasn't expecting, like. Jalen Watson's not supposed to be getting playoff interceptions. <laughs> like, like what is going on? 
Yeah, his mom. Ron, it was also made it. it was also hard. Like this was not easy. Think back to some of the games that we saw this year that were really hard to find a way to win. That Raiders game, you remember that one? That was tough, dude. Chargers games, tough. Like they they won some really tough games this year that were extremely close and then found a way to get into the playoffs as the number one seed. Like it was harder this time, I thought. And the AFC was better this time. And they still ended up finding a way to come out on top while trading away a legitimately generational type of player in the offseason. Uh, that. This this was amazing. This is so much fun. Yeah, I, I'd have to say, I'd have to say this is probably my favorite team. Just maybe due to the fact that this team brought me back into being uh, feeling emotionally tied and almost feeling and calling myself a Chiefs fan. Um, I was out. Uh, you know, I just I just didn't get to feel the last time they won a Super Bowl. I was just I just wasn't feeling the organization. Um, been kind of documented. I just did not like how the whole Tyreek Hill thing was handled. I did not like how things were handled with him compared to other players in the past. I didn't. I just. I just didn't like what the organization was turning into and what it was being about. And um, I think slowly watching this, you know, with my with my son and with my kids and being here and seeing this team and seeing a difference in how the, this, this crew was acting and, and how this crew was, it, it made you kind of, as you guys are saying, you know, get emotionally invested with this team. So like I was out before this and I know my wife has said to me the other week, like, Oh, so you're a Chiefs fan now. So uh, <laughs> let me, slip me back in. I had to, I had to, I had to get right uh, with it. And I, I mean, I, it is hard not to like this crew. So, I mean, this crew drug me back in. I think it was the Raiders game where I was like, "Oh, yes, my, I'm feeling like they're, I'm feeling this." And and so this was a, I mean, this was a a, a team that I won't forget uh, that has brought me back into the die almost to the diehard space that I had been growing up. Um, that '97 team, man, I really liked that '97 team too, man. I was there with Pete Stoyanovich for president. I was there when they made that long field goal, and then they, they played Rich Gannon and just took Rich Gannon out for Elvis Gerbeck. I liked that club. That was that, that, that was nine and O Chiefs team that was on the the cover of Sports Illustrated. That that oh, was man. the one that that was, that was the first one, one for yeah. me that that broke my heart. Their first loss was to the Bengals. 2013, uh, that that team was fun, except for the other side of the ball, but like Dante <laughs> Hall and everybody else. But you know, I hated Eric Warfield, not the person, but just I the think guy. Eric Warfield was at the Super Bowl. I'm he was, sure you know. Let's all get picture. Yeah, Pro- you see probably Jamal? Jamal was at the parade in case. I saw him. Eric that was, was awesome. probably just running alongside people, but not Actually, making yeah. a play on anything. Just running alongside of Eric was my Eric Warfield was my best friend's uh neighbor in high school. Uh, that was Betty a little was. fun fact. About that. I bet he was probably stayed in Indian Indian Hills is probably where he stayed. But um but no man this yeah this this was this is um uh, this goes down maybe as best maybe there is maybe some look at more talent than than the, the first championship team but uh but I don't know this one this one is something something that's right in Chiefs fans heart. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is 
you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I, I don't, we don't have to stay on this long. I will address this for the crybabies out there that may come in here and listen to this. I am so blown away by how people are reacting to this James Bradbury pass or this holding penalty. It is blowing me away. Like the craziest part to me, fellas, is one, there are so many pieces of video or just right off the bat that clearly indicates it shows why it was obvious holding. And I'm telling you, I don't think I've actually run into a person or heard a person who actually disputes it was holding. I think every person that I've talked to said, yeah, he grabbed him. Kind of obvious because the fella himself, James Bradbury, said he grabbed him himself. Yeah, I grabbed him. I was just hoping he'd let it ride. But the wildest thing is you're not hearing anybody from James Bradbury to Nick Sirianni, anybody in the Eagles organization saying they got jobbed or screwed. But damn near everybody else out there are telling them, no, shut up. You did get screwed. You did get screwed. Stop saying you didn't. No, we, I don't care that you said you got screwed. No, you did get screwed. It is the wildest thing that people, people are fighting for the Eagles that are saying, no, we did it. Yep, I did it. Fighting for the Eagles, even though the Eagles keep saying, no, no, we did it. And it is the wildest thing to me. I was disappointed. Many people disappointed how it ended. We were robbed. We were robbed for how it ended. You sure were. But don't blame Carl Cheffers and his staff. Blame Jim. Jim Bradbury is the one who ruined it. Jim Bradbury is the one who took the ball from Jalen Hurts. Jim Bradbury is the one who did this. Jim is the one who started to reach out 
to a fella in Juju Smith-Schuster who I'm not certain runs a 4-9 right now. <laughs> I don't know if right now Juju can run a 4-9-40. You reached out and grabbed him, not once, but twice. So don't blame Carl's people. Chiefs fans, by the way, Carl Sheffers did a great job for you, didn't he? Don't mm-hmm. blame Carl and his crew. Blame Jim. Jim took the ball out of Jalen Hurts' hands. Not Carl and all of the, these fools in Philadelphia who are crying and crying and crying. Who's going to say, I'm not going to say that's why we lost the game and then come back around and make an excuse for why they lost the game. Being that the, 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 the officials, how could you make that call? What? How could that official make that call where that guy, as soon as he came out of his break, grabbed his jersey, pulled him, and then put his arm around him? Good it's like they haven't watched a football game all year, basically, is what I feel like. It's absurd. How do we have so many people acknowledging that it was a hold, but complaining that it was called? I think this is what, so this is part of what's happening, Ron. And I, we don't have to get too far into this, but I think in life, like not just in sports, certainly not just in the NFL, but in life, I, I don't know why, I don't know exactly when this happened, but it feels like over the last decade, People have a really hard time dealing with results, like understanding that sometimes stuff happens that you didn't want to happen and you have to just live with those results. And so, well, not only that, but yes. um, And when those results take place, you got to eat it and you got to take your vegetables and you got to learn from it and you got to analyze what happened, what went wrong. And it wasn't any one thing. Even if you do feel like, and you're wrong if you do, but you know, if you do feel like you were jobbed on this, if you're an Eagles fan or if you're just a national football fan that thought that that was the wrong call in that spot, that wasn't why they lost. Man, the Chiefs in the second half had four possessions. They went 10 yards, 10 plays, 75 yards, and five and a half minutes for a touchdown. Nine plays, 75 yards, and four and a half minutes for a touchdown. Three plays, five yards in 50 seconds in a touchdown, and then finally had that possession that we're talking about right now, Ron, where they scored the field goal. They were perfect. They were absolutely perfect. The Eagles, meanwhile, had field goal, punt, touchdown, end of game. It's not just one call that lost them that game. Jalen Hurts fumbled the football. And oh, by the way, if you want to talk about calls, how about Dallas Goddard, who I think didn't catch that ball, ended up being called a catch. How about the Miles Sanders uh, catch that wasn't suddenly after it was returned for a touchdown, very well could have been a potential 10-point swing there. Like, one call did not determine the outcome of the game. And this is not me complaining about those calls not going the Chiefs' way. It's the reality of sometimes that happens. Sometimes you don't get the calls going in your direction. And it's it's embarrassing, honestly, how many people have complained about the officiating. And it's not just in this game. It happened after the AFC Championship game as well. Does the NFL need to get better officiating? Yeah, I didn't think they were all that bad in the Super Bowl, though, for the most part. I thought they did a pretty good job in most of the calls that we're talking about. 50-50. That was a penalty. It was a hold. And people are looking back at it and saying that's why the Eagles lost. Honestly, Ron, because it's easy. Because it's the easy play that you can go back to that happened at the end of the game. And you can say, oh, if not for that, imagine what would have happened. It's the easy It's the easy cop-out answer. And that's, that's why so many are doing it. But it, it also is wrong. Uh, and it, for me, sort of what cracks me up the most is like people trying to compare earlier in the in the game where Bradbury grabbed Juju and they let it go as if to say the tenor of the game is 
hey, uh, they were letting stuff go. I want anyone out there to tell me if you can remember the next time, the other times in the game where you felt, oh, wow, that was physical. They let yeah. them get away with it. Wow. I don't ever remember anything else where I was thinking, wow, boy, they're not calling nothing tonight. No. They, <laughs> and there was no – on the Bradbury holding call, then there was people like, oh, there's a Chiefs player with his hands to the face uh, of this Eagles defensive lineman. Like, you guys are just losers. Every single one of you. Some of you are, are 55-year-old men who are on radio in Philadelphia, Older. whatever. Wh- whatever, you host a podcast or whatever. You guys are just losers. Get over it. it like, out. like, seriously, like, what – Have you watched a single football game all year? We all know the NFL officiating is bad. Everybody except for Roger knows it's bad because at the Super Bowl last week, Roger said, oh, the officiating is as good as it's ever been in 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 my time here with the NFL. Everyone knows it's garbage. It it is trash. They could do more to improve it. I totally agree with you, but they haven't done a goddamn thing about it yet. So we just got to deal with it. We just got to watch it and hope that it works out in our favor. You get penalties, just like in basketball, you get foul calls sometimes. And like it's it, it's like that in every sport. I'm tired of this. Like we don't Play have that. to have this conversation every time the outcome isn't what what we want it to be. Like I don't know if it's sports gambling. I don't know if all these people are in debt because because mm. they're addicted now or what the yeah. deal is. But All we complain the about now. the outcome of every single game. Everyone must suck it up. You lost. Get over You're it. Losers. Come on. God, yeah. Unless it that happens at good. Allen Fieldhouse, in which case it, it, it probably was a botch call. <laughs> yeah. You're complaining about a botch call at Allen Fieldhouse. That you, you're probably right. Yeah, and there we go. See, the loser mentality follows <laughs> anywhere. I mean, in anywhere. It, it really does. That's really different, does. though. That's different. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad you got that off your chest, Steve. I, I didn't want to lay, stay on that too long, but I felt like we had to address that. Uh, also, real quick, shout out to the offensive line. We, we've said a little bit, but I, I feel like we need to get a little bit more. I, I want to say 7-7, seven, seven, I'm so proud of your ass. Dude. Andrew Wiley, I'm going to tell you, my favorite play of the whole game, it was not – uh, it was not the ridiculous, easy, drawn-up, schemed-up touchdown passes that they just did on the opposite side. By the way, Sky Moore, way to really be in a great and right formation. But it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't those. He scored it, first touchdown, it, baby. Yeah, it wasn't Only Kelsey. Time all year, I didn't take a Sky anytime touchdown. It wasn't Kelsey, and it wasn't Kelsey's extended uh, stanky leg that he did. Uh, for I mean a, at least four more seconds than I than I was ready for. <laughs> it was when in the third quarter Patrick Mahomes rushed to the four, and Andrew Wiley did a number on Hassan Reddick. The man that they've been talking about all week long was going whoop his tail. The man they've been talking about all week long was gonna what is it? And I ain't gonna lie to you, I've been saying it. I was saying, I'm concerned. Orlando Brown, you got to hold up on the other side because they got to help 7-7. If you go and watch that play, I have watched that play 29 times. That man, Reddick, comes around, and I think some of the footing got to him, but he comes around one-on-one with Wiley. And Wiley, if you just look at the top of your screen as, as, as Pat is moving down the field, Wiley is just jumping on him. I mean, it is like... 
he is coming off a small top rope and just repeatedly throwing his whole weight on. I mean, he would be called for a 15-yard penalty if he were if if he were on top of a quarterback. The number he was mauling uh Hassan Reddick. That was my favorite play all day long. Them cats, uh, I mean, it's not just because you said it earlier, BK, that if you'd have told me they got no sacks, I would have told you the Chiefs won the game. It's not just that they didn't get no sacks. I mean, I can count on my hand how many times Mahomes was pressured. The time where Mahomes had the ankle uh, get get touched up again, it was because he had a ton of time. He just tried to run and get away, and he got tackled. The only time that I can re- really really remember him getting pressured was the, the hold on Juju. He got hit as he released it. And then he made a hell of a throw, which, as we're talking about calls, I know you don't want to hear this. It could have been two separate flags thrown on him on that crazy throw where where Kelsey picked it up off the ground. He got hit in the back of the head when he threw it, and then got hit in the front in the face mask when he let it go. So after, he, by the way, that that, that was could've... the play for me. That was the play for me when I knew the Chiefs were winning. When, when that happened yeah, I... and Mahomes came out and he looked that way oof, after the like, ankle well, was, was hurting. Ooh, but those are the those are only two times I can remember him really being pressured. Like that's the deal. It's not even just sacks. Like sometimes sacks can be misleading because somebody got away from it. Or if you look at Tom Brady, if anybody gets within uh, uh, three yards of him, he's going to throw it and jump down. Like sacks can be deceit. They weren't getting pressure on him. That man. Yeah, you can blame boys, it on the washed up field guy too. Like they got whatever. Guy it would, yeah, you can blame <laughs> up. They I guess they was losing their footing on them 120 yards rushing in the second half too. Uh, were they losing their footing on that? No. Nah. I'm tell you what, I know Orlando Brown was losing his foot and pulling and run and ramming people right up their asses down the whole lot, just pushing the entire line across and just allowing Pacheco to run off of them. Them dudes Philly couldn't run the ball with their backs. The Chiefs could with ease and rush for 160 yards almost. And their quarterback couldn't get touched. Philly gave up two sacks. I mean, I'm just I, – I will say that is the most surprising thing of the game. I thought the Chiefs would win, but I didn't think – I didn't think that those sides – the both of those lines would be as good as they were, and especially the Chiefs' offensive line. They were dominant. The Chiefs' offensive line kicked their ass – up straight up like just they dominated from start to finish they were up for what the challenge was and they dominated and sort of you're right like did the field play a five percent factor in that game in terms of the Chiefs being able to handle Hassan Reddick a little better than they otherwise would have sure guess what Chiefs had to deal with it as well Chiefs O-line had to deal with it Chiefs D-line had to deal with it and they handled it better than the Eagles did and you don't see them out there complaining about the field conditions. Like their offensive line was just flat out better. We knew the Chiefs interior was going to be able to hold up. I didn't have any questions whatsoever about that. The two tackles though, Wiley and Brown, oh buddy. All of the shit that they are talking this week, 100% deserved. It, uh, man, Orlando Brown Jr., went on the Pat McAfee show and said, zero sacks, put that on a bleeping T-shirt. And then they did. All of them were wearing the T-shirt at the parade. Like, I I love it. When you have a performance like that, you can say whatever you want because you earned it. 
And that offensive line with the way that they performed in that game, dude, they earned everything that they've said this week. The thing that I'm super curious about, and this will be a conversation for another day, is like, I think Andrew Wiley earned himself money in that game. I think Orlando Brown Jr. might have earned himself some money in that game. So I'll be really curious to see where that goes. But for right now, all that matters is that that unit, if there was any one unit that stepped up better than I expected, it was them. They kicked ass. And we just, we saw this line and their inconsistencies all season long, but then we'd see him play like a dominant level game. And then next week, Orlando's struggling with a guy off the edge. He's getting beat left and right. And it, it, it is still like, it was still frustrating to see their up and down play, but man, this team, it feels like they've built something for the postseason where they know exactly how in, in years past where we said like, oh, they turn it on when they feel like it. It seems now they've kind of figured out how to formulate that to like keep the guys on the field, be good enough in the regular season and make sure that you can perform at your highest possible level in the postseason. And we saw that with the offensive line because they were they were great virtually all, almost the entire playoffs aside from a few instances here and there. And then to do it in the Super Bowl when the biggest storyline headed into the game is the Eagles pass rush is going to dominate the Chiefs offensive line and they're going to make Patrick Mahomes life hell like the Bucks did in that Super Bowl. For them to go out there and just pitch a shutout was remarkable. That that was, was the most surprising thing of the Super Bowl for me. They they were clearly they were clearly pissed and they had to sit down and hear that for two weeks. That's what they had to hear for two weeks was, Oh, Mahomes got a bad ankle and they got this defensive line coming in. This is, they're going to get the set. They're going to get the 84 bears. They're going to tie the 85 bears. Well, they, they did not. They didn't get one sack. Uh, they did not. And I, and I, and I, I just think, We've seen before. I think they 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 were challenged against Tampa earlier this year, and they showed up in that game in a way we we're like, whoa, where the hell did that come from? I think they were challenged in this game, and and they put they put it on them dudes. And to the point of the reason why this man got his second Super Bowl MVP, this man got his second championship is now completely fully in goat chasing mode. He is chasing ghosts. He does not have contemporaries. Patrick Mahomes, the offensive line did all of that to protect him. And look, I I've heard a lot of people say things that I disagree with and to the point of foolishness. I, I said I believe this game is going to come down, and I'd rather have the better coach and quarterback. Clearly, the Chiefs stumped a mud hole in the Eagles when it comes to coaching. But Jalen Jalen was amazing. Jalen Hurts probably played his best game as a, as a pro, maybe ever. Jalen Hurts, if we look back into college, Jalen Hurts has not exactly been great in big games like this. He got benched in a national championship game. LSU worked him over. Now LSU was working over a lot of people against Alla when he played in Oklahoma in the in the uh, in the college football playoff. And in the playoff game, he was rough last year against Brady. He's not exactly big. He was great, but I still believe the Chiefs, even in the game on Sunday with the Super Bowl, had the better quarterback. I know the numbers will side and 
well, some numbers will side with Jalen Hurts. But I'll take the guy who threw for 77, completed 77% of his balls. I'll take the guy who had the 30, 30 points higher QBR, um, or I'm sorry, passer rating, than uh, quarterback rating, excuse me, than Jalen Hurts did. And I'll take the guy in a game that was tight, in a game that was close, that did not make by far the critical error in the game. I can't, you cannot, like Jalen played great, but he gave seven points. Nobody else participated in the play for the Eagles but him. He dropped the ball and it was returned immediately for a touchdown. The game was a three-point game. That play negates a lot of the stuff he did. Mahomes ran for 46 yards and made every big play in the second half. He only had one incompletion in the second half. They'd had a limited amount of touches, touched it four times in the second half. They scored three touchdowns and a field goal, and it would have been four. It's just they didn't want to. They didn't try to score a touchdown. He was perfect in in money time. They had 53 plays, and the offense scored 31 points. 53 plays, they scored 31 points. He didn't make the mistake. He was special. Jalen was special, but still, the best quarterback and player on the field, even in that game, because we can't just act like mistakes didn't happen. And by the way, even to small stuff, Jalen, who was allowing the clock to run down multiple times, which cost them a timeout and which cost them five yards because they couldn't get the play in and get the ball snapped multiple times. And listen, I don't want to denigrate this. I believe it's going to get changed. But I know Jalen had four total touchdowns. But them damn quarterback sneaks, I mean, that ain't, I mean, that ain't nothing. I mean, I mean, them, them, that cheating play is nothing to me. So, I mean, listen, he was great, and, and but Patrick Mahomes was better to me. By the way, that that quarterback sneak is the most dominant play in football. It's it's absolutely ridiculous, yeah. and you're and right; he's gonna, incredible at it. It's going to get outlawed this off season. Well, this, I mean, he's incredible at it, but I mean, what the hell? I mean, what is he? I mean, what is he going to do? He's got 700 pounds of people pushing he, him. Him with Jason Kelsey in front of him, though, like it's. It's genuinely the most dominant football play I think I've ever seen. It's absurd. If there's a fourth and short, and I'm talking like even three yards are in at times, you feel like they're going to be able to get it. So I full kudos to them for that. They I mean, exploited Chris the Jones, rule. Chris dove over the top, <laughs> but he doesn't. But he don't have three people pushing him. Like you know, and, and he had him. He just he, he didn't have any sort of momentum going. He had him, him. But, but then he had three people shoving him. But yeah. uh, uh, to your point on Mahomes. His mind, Ron, has caught up with his physical abilities. And I think this is something that we do sometimes when you get an athlete that's just so much fun to watch because of their skill. You lose sight of the other things that you appreciate about less skilled individuals. So, like, for example, with Patrick Mahomes, I think sometimes people underestimate how damn tough he is. I hope that that's not happening anymore. The dude has now played on a high ankle sprain multiple times over the last four seasons. He has now played just, what, a month and a half, six weeks off of a dislocated kneecap. Like, Patrick Mahomes' toughness is one of his single best attributes. And then beyond that, he dominated this game against Philly the way that you would expect Tom Brady 
to dominate a game, but with added mobility on top of it. 21 for 27, a buck 82, three touchdowns, no picks. Those don't sound super overwhelming in terms of the the yardage total or anything like that, six and a half yards per attempt. He was in complete command from start to finish of that game. Never once did it feel like, oh boy, this game's too big for him. It's overwhelming. He's too amped up. No, he settled in. He was cool and confident the entire game. ESPN has a statistic called QBR. It's basically their version of quarterback rating, right? His QBR in this game, which is a scale of 0 to 100, 100 being the highest that you can possibly attain in any individual game. His QBR against Philly was 96.4. Damn near perfect. Ron, the last time that he had a QBR that high was against Buffalo last year in the postseason which was one of the best quarterback games I think I have ever seen between two individuals. Patrick Mahomes was amazing. And what we're starting to watch now in Kansas City, and this should be scary for everybody, dude, he is now entering his prime, where he's got the calls up front for the protections. He's got the quick game in his bag now. He still has the ability to go deep with it at any point in time. He's got the no-look passes. He's got the ability to go off script. All of that is still in his bag the way that it was early in his career. And now he can beat you with his mind. He's seen what you're trying to do to him, and he can win however it is that you want to go about it. You want to go like the Bengals, and he's got to throw for 330? Gotcha. You want to go like the Eagles and the Jaguars, and he's got to win underneath by exploiting your linebackers? He's going to throw for a buck 93 touchdowns, no picks. He's going to tear you apart, and you got no chance against him. That dude has figured it out, and now I don't know what the AFC does. I don't know what the answer is for the way that Patrick Mahomes is playing right now because he could beat you in every way possible. It's Last season, the second half unraveling uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals, I think was like the the low moment of his career where you can point to like the only time he hasn't ever stepped up in, in that big game and like the Super Bowl against the Bucks isn't on him like we we all know that and that game though was where we finally saw like he ran into a team after trying to adjust all season all season all season kind of figuring it out and kind of leaning into it but you could still see him like at times throughout the year be like no, this isn't how I want to play. I want to, I want to stretch the field. I want to go out and get and make explosive plays and get long touchdowns to Tyreek and whatever. And, and then he realized in that game, like he tried to, he tried to be the hero. He tried to put it all on his back and it didn't work out. And, and they fell short last, last year. And so this entire off season was like him, like, okay, well, how do I operate? like Brady did? How do I operate like Manning did? How do I diagnose everything at the line of scrimmage the way that those guys did? And he did all of that, and now he's marrying it with all of his unbelievable athletic traits. And yeah, it's if you're not just looking at it through a fan perspective where you're like, I just hate the Chiefs, and you appreciate football, what you're watching is something that we may never see again. Like, like, like what you're watching is like somebody operating at a level that only like the reason he keeps getting compared to Michael Jordan is because Patrick Mahomes has already surpassed Aaron Rodgers, but Mahomes is what Rodgers was supposed to be. Like Rodgers never really lived up to it, even though we saw all the incredible gifts that Rodgers had. Mahomes is marrying all of it together. Like, 
the on top of the fact that he's exceptional every in every way off the field he's got the entire mental side on the field down now he's got all of the physical traits he's got everything that makes him special and, and makes him the best player in football but it's also too like for the people that are saying like oh jalen hurts was the better quarterback in this game i mean all you have to look at is the Patrick Mahomes 26-yard run, which everybody is going to remember for the rest of time. Him on one leg and pushing, and then you go watch that NFL clip, a films clip, where you can hear him grunting and, and trying to run through the pain and looking back at the defender. Like, he does that over and over and over again. In key moments, he always makes the play, and... There's just not a lot of guys that do that. Brady was one that was really good at it. And Mahomes has, what, a dozen of those things now? Like where you can point to like individual plays where you're like, that's why he is who he is. He's just incredible. And I don't know if we're ever going to see another quarterback like him. Yeah, the grunting and the screaming are not his finest moments. Um, (laughs) It's not a great sound from him, but, you know, you understand what he's working with. But no, I mean, I think you guys both said it. He has the Brady Club in his bag now. <laughs> like he can pull and 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 I and I want this to be heard because this playoff run has proven it. Like he don't just have that bag in his club. He can perform it as well as Tom can. And he's 27. Like it's not like, oh, I can go to it if I want to. Like he was forced in the last as you just documented the last year and a half, he was forced. He's got it, and he's perfected it at at 27. At some point, like, you're going to have to loosen up. At some point, he is going to get a different weapon added to where you're going to have to. Like, what's going to happen if out of nowhere they find a, a Randy Moss type? They find, Justin, like, they Justin get, Ross, maybe. They, let's go. Oh, come on. Sky Moore, maybe. We're gonna get serious here. We're we're, we're <laughs> celebrating the Super Bowl, and you're bringing up, and you're bringing up Sky Moore, and you're bringing up Justin Ross. Like, stop it! All I'm right? ready to start having the conversations. I'm ready. Hey, I'm hey ready. What, one one way too early draft uh, tidbit because this is our last one for a while. Hey, this Hyatt kid from Tennessee, watch him. Watch him on. You like that? <laughs> I would love him. I would love yeah. him with the Chiefs. Ah, man, yeah. your shoulders are shaking. Calm down. We'll get to. We'll get to all of that. Oh, By the boy. way, man, listen. While we're giving Mahomes all this love because we deserve it, we, he deserves it. You brought up Sky Moore. Listen, he was a part of this. We have got to, got to give Dave Tobe and this special teams unit some love. We came into this thing saying. I think about about week 15, and then especially during the playoffs. We had the bye week week where we talked. I remember, BK, you're like, hey, just just don't mess it up. Like, just don't be a reason that you that, that the Chiefs lose. I, I don't care if you don't make any significant play. The significant play is just don't mess it up like you did against the Colts, which directly led to losses. Don't just mess it up where you let teams back in the game. Man, they not only didn't mess it up. Like you haven't you can look at each playoff game, Jacksonville, Cincy, and the Super Bowl here against the Eagles, and find major, major plays that were made by the special team that the team doesn't win the game, <laughs> including Harrison Butker, that the team doesn't win the game. 
Butker's I mean, they, a touchdown. They were Bill. they were more than just doing just holding on and holding steady. Hell, they don't win without Dave Tobin, the special teams. It it's amazing. I, I there were some numbers people like football outsiders put out before the postseason that they were surprised how much Chiefs fans were get, were down on their special teams unit because they were like technically average this year by their numbers. And I was like, listen, I typically go with the numbers. That's dumb. If your numbers say that they were average in the NFL this year, then your numbers need to be like, you, you need to check those out to see if there's some sort of a bug in them. But man, they were great. They don't win the Super Bowl this year without their um, their special teams, in particular their their punt return unit. And that's been the big Dave Taub, like he's able to put his hat on that throughout his career. And man, it worked once again in the postseason. So credit where it's due. I certainly didn't see that storyline as being something that we would be discussing in the playoffs as, no. in the in the good way. Um, but that's where we are. If not for Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony having those punt returns, I, I don't know where they would have been. They, no. they certainly wouldn't be holding up the Lombardi. They wouldn't we be. We saw last season a Packers special teams unit that was so bad that it legitimately cost them a playoff game. And I was totally convinced that was this Chiefs special teams unit this year. And I was totally convinced they're going to fumble the football at a crucial moment in the game, miss field goals, whatever, broken coverage. Like we got a whole bag of it this season. They were bad in every possible way. A special teams unit could be bad at individual moments. And, man, in the playoffs, they were great. They they were incredible. I don't have any explanation for it. It was amazing. I think it probably has everything to do with Marcus Kemp. Uh, Thank you, Cincinnati Bengals, for picking up Chris LeMond's because as soon as they did that and the Chiefs activated Marcus Kemp to the special teams unit every week, yeah, special teams here got pretty good. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I watched Sky Moore fumble that ball that Kadarius Co- Tony caught. Like that that low catch, I can't remember which which one of the fumbles Sky had. He did it so much. But there was a low catch that he fumbled just like that. Uh, and, 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 and Sky, and, and I mean, Kadarius caught that sucker and rolled through. So shout out to you, Dave. All right, this is, a, this is the last show of this season, but we can't get out without a little certified or imposter. So, sir, to go ahead one last time. Give me my music, please. This is a certified or imposter, fellas. BK, I'll let you jump first. You're certified, right? Let's get you certified. I'm an imposter. The Chiefs being disrespected and playing this nobody believes in this card. I mean, they are, they are leaning into it. Um, uh, and if you missed the parade, I think Pat was a little hammered when he went. You said, think <laughs> you got that vibe? <laughs> when, no, when he said nobody in the AFC West thought we'd win, I didn't know that there were there were AFC West people uh, that <laughs> that came and made predictions. There's a lot uh, of people picking the Chargers and the Broncos. No, I no, I know there were people picking the Chargers. I just didn't know there was a specific AFC West group. <laughs> he was referring to like i didn't know he was seen it like there's some kind of afc west committee that we're picking against them but uh but where do, where do you land certified or imposter with this 
So I'm going to start out by saying this and just answer your question directly before I get into anything else. That way Chiefs fans know where I stand on this. I think it's certified. I I think there were a lot of people that were counting the Chiefs out this year in terms of being a Super Bowl contender or at least being the favorite to be a Super Bowl uh, winner. And I, I think there were a lot of national and local analysts that thought that the AFC West was going to be a hell of a division this year, especially given all of the additions that teams made around them. And with Tra- or with Tyreek Hill going elsewhere, with all of the rookies that were going to be playing for the Chiefs, it was going to be really hard for them to be able to do what they've done in the past, which is basically get the number one seed and roll through into the Super Bowl, or at least host an AFC championship game. So it's certified that they believe they were slighted compared to what they what they think that they should be seen as, which is a five-time AFC championship game representative, which basically means you got to beat them first for them to not be considered the king. That being said, I think that people have taken it out of whack a little bit in terms of how disrespected they were. Like, I'm not expecting Travis Kelsey or... Patrick Mahomes or Colin Saunders or Orlando Brown or any of them to be looking at Vegas odds. But guys, before the season, the Chiefs had the second highest win total in the AFC in Vegas. They had the second highest odds in Vegas, second best odds to win the Super Bowl out of the AFC. It wasn't as if like they were this complete afterthought. They weren't like a TCU in the college football playoff, which came out of absolutely nowhere. So were they like a plucky underdog? No. But were they disrespected? Were they undersold as a legitimate contender? Yeah, I think they were. And if you're a Chiefs fan that collected all those receipts of Bart Scott saying you were going to be bad or James Jones saying you were going to finish last in the division, I get it. And it's a fun storyline. But I want you to know this, Chiefs fans. Latching on to something like this means you're hated. That comes with the territory. And that's a good thing. This means you are squarely where the Patriots were by the time that they got like their third Super Bowl. People were done with them, man. Once you do a certain amount of winning and you do a certain amount of talking that comes with that winning, fans of other teams, media, everything, they are done with you. And they want to move on to the next team. So understand that's what's coming next as a result of this. But hey, you don't have to care about that. Embrace it, man. Get yourself some new haters. Cat Williams said this a number of years ago. Get yourself more haters. You could always use more. I I think it's certified, and and I'm guilty of it, and I'll admit it. I've admitted it over the last couple of weeks. Like preseason, I thought the Buffalo Bills were the best team in the NFL, and and I thought that they had done enough to to truly like challenge in the AFC and be a Super Bowl contender, and you know that didn't work out for them. But I was never sitting here saying like, oh, the Chiefs aren't going to make the playoffs or or something like that. Like, I always believed like, you know, a player like Patrick Mahomes, you're going to be in contention even if your roster takes a step back. We just had a lot of question marks coming into the season. But where I think it is warranted and what I think most of the players are probably reacting to is, you know, they see that screenshot of the Fox NFL broadcast where everybody's picking the, the Eagles and then, you know, bef- the week before it was the Bengals and the week before that, it, there was a lot of people picking Jacksonville. And I remember having a conversation with you guys where I'm sitting to myself when people were picking Jacksonville to upset the Chiefs. I'm like, did they forget who the hell Patrick Mahomes is? Like, like, what are we doing here? Like Trevor's Trevor's fun. Trevor's an interesting young player. Doug Peterson's got a solid you know, young core over there. 
but did they forget who the hell that guy is? And I, I understand where people are coming from because the safe bet in the NFL is to always assume that there's going to be a step taken backwards because when you go win a Super Bowl, generally those teams aren't held together. Like generally a lot of people leave and there's veterans and you have to make tough decisions and whatever. And so there's always a team that comes out of nowhere and surprises everyone in the NFL. This year it was probably Jacksonville and the year and the year before, maybe it was, it was Cincinnati probably going on a Super Bowl run, but there's always a team that does that. So you can always bet on a team to do that. And you can always bet on a good team to take a step back. We've seen Aaron Rodgers have some bad seasons and be on some bad teams with the green Bay Packers, but we haven't seen Patrick Mahomes do that yet. And until we see Patrick Mahomes do that, I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes. And so I think it's certified the way that the players feel because they do feel disrespected. And I think that it's warranted to feel disrespected, even if everybody wasn't necessarily saying the chiefs are this plucky underdog. Yeah. By the by the by the rule, I'm gonna say imposter. Um, <laughs> and if it was just stopped short at disrespect, disrespected, that was it. But Travis Kelsey grabbed the mic and said, "Nobody, nobody thought we were going to. Nobody picked us to win the Super Bowl. That's aggressive. Nobody picked us to win the the AFC West. Like, like they're going nobody. It wasn't just like." Like if some of y'all out there, no, net, what do you say? Nan y'all, nan none of y'all had the Chiefs. <laughs> Let's like, okay. That's that that is aggressive by the letter of imposter. But disrespected, oh hell yeah. They they were and listen, I'm not even as mad as not mad as it's work. I don't even have as much of an issue with people before the season saying things like, boy, I don't know if the Chiefs are going to get to the Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill. And it's not just without Tyreek Hill, but everybody, like, just loaded up. The entire conference just loaded up. Buffalo loaded up and got Von Miller. The, the Raiders loaded up and got Devontae Adams and got – Chandler Jones to go with Max Crosby. The Chargers loaded up. We got J.C. Jackson and then got Khalil Mack to add with Bosa. Like everybody, the hell, the Broncos went and got Russell. When we're talking about before the season, they got Russell Wilson and they got you know Randy Gregory to add to Bradley Chubb and and those guys. But then they got that idiot, the football idiot Nathaniel to coach him. So that really counted all of that out. But I'm not even as as much of an issue with folks who who had him before the season wonder if they could win a championship. Now, I, I just, listen, this is this is the Kansas fan in me. Like, y'all, you can't pick the damn Chargers. The Chargers got to show you they can beat the Chiefs before you you going to pick them. You can't pick the Broncos. But they didn't lost to them jokers 15 straight times. They got to win them. They got to beat them once. You did Like, people talking about not the division, I, found, I, I took some issue with that. But like Bart Scott talking about they ain't gonna make the they gonna make the playoffs like that's like that's that is so disrespectful. And then to me, where the disrespect really came in is all right. I'm not tripping about you at the beginning of the year, but then we saw towards the middle of the year like okay, this is the number one offense. We see what this team is, and now we know this group has been 
the group, the bar of the league the last five years. This has been the group that has had the most success in the history or in the last five years. Like they've taken over as the team with the Patriots. Nobody's played in bigger games. Nobody has been on bigger stages than these, than this, than this team. And then they're underdogs at home to the Bengals. And I know, I know this ain't that big of a deal. What was a point and a half in the Super Bowl? And then they're underdogs in the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. Like, even if you tell me you think the game is close, I think it's disrespectful if you believe this game is close and one side has Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and that's not where you're leaning towards. Like, that's disrespectful. Nick Sirianni just got here 15 minutes ago. Jalen Hurts is somebody who you didn't know could throw forward passes consistently last year. Like, I could sense that as real disrespect. And I can't, I can't ride with the nobody. Nobody felt us. Nobody. On the, on, on the one last thing on this, Ron. Um, you can also take it as a, as a badge of honor, Chiefs fans. Like this is the other way that you could go with this. In some ways, this was the year that you were supposed to take a, a step back. Like even if you do believe, like you look at all of this stuff and you say to yourself, like, man, I'm mad. So many people picked against us. Like the reasons why people were picking against our team the chiefs were legitimate it it was because so many other teams around the afc had quarterbacks that are on rookie deals and that allowed themselves to go make all of these big moves meanwhile the chiefs are having to do the opposite they have a quarterback that's making a ton of money which by the way looks even better and better by the day but they've got a quarterback that makes all of the money already and so they've got to move one of their i mean three best players at a minimum so I, I get why people were were lower on the Chiefs going into this year than they had been in previous years. It made all the sense in the world. The thing that is special about this team and what makes it so unique is that despite that, despite the fact that all of these other AFC teams that are about to have to pay their quarterbacks, by the way, being on those rookie deals, despite all of these other teams adding so much, despite the Chiefs having to remove from their talent, they did it. They still came out on top. This was the hard one. Now the other teams have to play by the same rules as the Chiefs within the next couple of seasons. Justin Herbert about to make 50 mil a year. Joe Burrow about to make 50 mil a year. Lamar Jackson about to make 50 mil a year. We're already seeing it with Josh Allen out in Buffalo. Man, it's about to be real hard for these other AFC teams. And when you've got that quarterback making the same as Patrick Mahomes, all right, now, now we're starting to get where the AFC was with Brady, and it could start get, becoming an avalanche of the Chiefs winning a bunch of them. This was the hard one. Now it gets a little easier for the Chiefs because everybody's kind of starting to play by the same uh, same rules. Yeah, man. Uh, great season. Uh, I kind of uh, – we had a lot of questions, but after they after that offense worked over Arizona in week one, I was already like, oh, Okay. <laughs> okay <laughs> they may be they may be all right <laughs> they may be all right but great season got us a championship we'll uh what, what what's the plan we'll get together talking about the so, god boy it never ends this is gonna be the last show in bk for a little bit um next week and I, i've mentioned it already to a lot of you listeners but next week starting on monday we are going to start launching our draft coverage to prepare you guys for the nfl draft that will be in kansas city this year 
So that'll start on Monday, and then we'll go to the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Is going to be on Wednesdays moving forward, though there's no editor show next week. Pete and John are taking the week off. Much deserved vacation time for them. And then on Fridays, we will also have another draft show that's going to be with Ron Cop and some of our other Arrowhead Pride draft contributors. So we've got plenty of draft coverage coming up for you guys. Show and BK is going away for a little bit, as are a lot of our weekly in-season podcasts. But we'll be back a little bit ahead of the NFL draft, and we'll still be cranking out content for you guys post-draft and leading into training camp and whatever. But it's off-season. It's vacation time. So we're, we're taking a break. We're going to rest and, and relax after a long, incredible Super Bowl season. Jalen Hyatt, go watch yourself some Jalen Hyatt. Oh, That's your take you I, I mean, man, can we, if they get him. Oh. Can we just enjoy this, please? <laughs> enjoy the championship. Congratulations. Good job, Chiefs. Two championships. Wow. How about that? They are the team. They are the team. And we are the show. The greatest podcast. The greatest <laughs> team podcast alive. Damn, it feels good to be a champion. And it feels good to be right, like I was. We are out, baby. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.